Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. us, if we could, uh, to open up in prayer and ask God to bless us to speak to our lives. I don't have an opening text for this series, but I do really want to focus uh, on, on families and what we see in biblical families and, and ask God to teach us many things. And so if you will, would you bow your heads with me to ask God to go, come here today. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we have together. God, I pray, touch and strengthen and heal. And God, I pray right now, Lord, that your word be hidden in our heart and you help us and you speak into our hearts and our lives and you strengthen us. I pray, help our families, God. I pray right now a special blessing and a special touch on, on parents and families. God in our in this church, Lord. Help me, your teacher, today. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you all thanksgiving. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. High five somebody before you're seated. Praise God. What does the biblical family look like? If I were to say, if I were to make that statement, biblical family. Who's someone right now who probably has like a Moses beard going on right now? Visual uh, type of look, right? You know, Charleston Heston vibe. Anybody with some Charleston Heston vibes going on? Ten Commandments. What does the biblical family look like? Because we are given powerful templates throughout Scripture on what the family should look like and what we can do to be a, a godly family, a good functioning family. But we're also uh, introduced to real dysfunction and how it's found in each of those families. And pretending that a real biblical family doesn't have dysfunction is a lie. And it's not true. And we really, moving forward, especially in this series, we can't afford to keep, you know, telling that lie. I really want us to take a good look at some families in Scripture. And this series will be focusing on several families found in the Word of God. Primarily, I want to it's kind of hard to talk about family without talking about the first family, right? And I'm not talking about some kind of first family as in uh, social ranks, right? Like the president's family. I'm talking about the very first family, right? Adam and Eve, Cain, Abel. We're going to look at this family. But I want us to understand that before we break down the first family, understand that we are made, we are fashioned, we are put together. Not just flesh and bone, but purpose. We are put together with the most powerful of intentions by God. At Psalms 39, 14, a familiar text, right? It says, I will praise thee for I am and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right. God, every part of you has had, had 
fearful and wonder put into it. We are than just molecules. Of course, we have those things, and but with great, great, great intention and focus, I want us to stand the very first day ever created kicked off his intent. His desire was that we live in an environment that we can habitate in, that we can live in and breathe, and, and everything about what you see right now is because God ordained it as such and spoke it. Let's go there. And Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's going to save us a lot of time. We're not going to read every single verse, but I'm going to jump to verse 27. So God created his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, punish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Jumping to verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every me, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good, very good. Morning were the sixth day. Well, let me just unpack a little bit about that, because uh, I don't think how big of a deal Genesis 1-1 is. The fact that God took time out of, out of his existence to make sure to come together and to speak some things into, into existence, that he decided there to be a heaven, I want, them, I want there to be the earth. He divides the waters from the firmaments. He does all these things. He, he sets light into existence. He, he separates light and darkness. We know those things. He creates things. But why does he do it? Why is he a, a really cool planetarium just for his own benefit? Is that what he's all about? Just, you know, I can't wait to have the, uh, how many of you are into, uh, you know, some train sets? I remember like Christmas Day. I remember growing up, mom and dad would up to one of the malls or whatever, and they would have a train set put up. I remember those things. And you'd see all those little figures, little, those little trees and those buildings and all those types of things. And you just, as a kid, I used to watch that and think, wow, that was really mind began to my imagination began to run thinking oh that's a really cool area they got a cave that's that's not what God's about he's not building this so he can just sit back and just look and enjoy moving in parts and 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 just having a blast doing playing with his train set that's not who God is God is not child doesn't work that way God really made everything for us the family the husband just read it. He says in verse 30, I have given every green herb for meat, saying so that these these animals can eat it, right? And you can have meat. So Tarian, I'm just a little bit different in my process of giving it to me. <laughs> right? I, for the cow to get it first. <laughs> We see all these things, but why? He did it because he desired to make man. And it's so vital that we understand that we are created in We are, not were. It hasn't changed. We are created in his image. And I don't want to settle for the image of this world. I don't want us to settle for the image of Disney. 
I don't want us to say, hey, this, this conglomerate in, in Florida and California determines on what my family should like. Buzz Lightyear doesn't dictate what my family looks like. Maybe you don't read that this month doesn't dictate the fact that we are made in his image. I'm going to read verse 27 again because it's so clear. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him both what? Male and female created he them. Well, that's interesting. He only made two types, right? My, my. But he tells us to be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, it is the job of the husband and, or the man and the woman to come together to multiply. To multiply for what? For the family's dynamic. You, God did all this so he can have families. Families are the will of God. And it's so important that we see that moving forward, that we are truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. We, we need to start honoring families. We need to really, truly promote more family dynamics and promote more family functions and promote strong families. And that's, this is what the series is going to look at. We're going to look at proper functions, but we're also going to look at some dysfunctions in the family. And we're definitely going to take time pulling out certain families. And today's focus is going to be on the first family. And I really want to focus on some proper functions that we see. If we could go to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to jump around here in the next uh, little bit. A couple chapters here all pretty much staying in Genesis, but Genesis chapter 2 verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Jumping to Genesis 3 and 8 through 9. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? The reason I'm, I'm talking about these, these two areas in the text here is because it shows us a really strong property of function. And that function is it teaches teaches us to be real in relationship. This is probably one of the greatest attributes that we'll see about the first family is that they have a real relationship. So much so that I, I kind of want to unpack that first bit of text in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let me just really say this and that we are we, we are dealing with I know we're dealing with it in this church because this is a this is a normal problem and a normal dysfunction um, when you get married it is a husband and a wife okay it is not a husband a wife and the mother-in-law <laughs> I, mean, I felt I felt a strong move of the Holy Ghost there it's not the husband wife and the father-in-law it's not the husband-in-law and the sister-in-law. Right? We are, we are meant to have 
real relationship with the husband and the wife. And there, this is just a two-seater vehicle. I'm sorry. The third wheel doesn't even fit. It's got to get out. And it's so important. We live in a world now of dysfunction where we have to hear the two cents of somebody else outside of our marriages. And what happens is, is that's where dysfunction finds itself. Everyone has, has like that venting partner. Now, I'm, I'm for venting partners. I'm for, you know, hey, having someone close in your life, a friend. This is, this is not a lesson where I ask you to go start, you know, blocking people in your life and saying, I can't talk to you because pastor says I can only talk to my spouse and my spouse only but here's the deal we need to be close with our spouse we need to reevaluate why am i in this marriage why am i in this relationship i need i truly need to understand that god you you gave me this wonderful person right how many of you would be with me and say that your spouse is a gift from god Amen. right that's good it should be that way right well then then hoard that gift keep that gift connect with that gift and make sure that you guys are in this in this functioning relationship because they show us here Adam and Eve show us that not only uh, were they literally one right I mean Adam takes a good old nap from a good old meal it had to have been barbecue <laughs> and so all of a sudden he wakes up one less rib, right? And, 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 and all of a sudden he realizes, he's, I love how he says it, you know. Uh, he, this woman is and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one. Who says that? Going back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. Let's read who's talking here. And Adam said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she has taken out of a man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Adam's the one who declares this. He makes the point that it is, this is good. This, she's part of me. We're supposed to be one. So one of the greatest properties that a family can have is when a mom and a dad act as one. Well, that's a whole other thing there too now. Okay? That means you should be one in, in goals. Right? We should be one in hopes. We should be one in, in plans. Now that's, that'll get some marriages right there. Right? How many of you would be honest with you and say, you, you know, you guys don't share the, the best calendar together? Right? I know me and my wife are working hard diligently, especially because we pastor a church. We're always like, oh no, I, I have this on the calendar. Well, who's got the calendar? Right? Who's, who's, who's got the calendar? We need to be one with our calendars. We need to be one with our plans. But we need to be one with our dreams and our desires. We need to be one with our finances. Now, I... I I like to meet with, with new married couples and, and they're just getting in there. And, and I'll say this, and I've made this statement. Some of you have been a part of those meetings with me. We, many, many will gladly share their bed together, but they won't share a bank account together. So we need to understand, we need to be, we need to be on the same page. We need to be one. I, I, not only one, I... I I need to make sure we're, we have the same bills. And, and my wife knows what happens on this thing. She has the same passwords as I do. 
She has the same freedoms to check on me whatever she wants to, and vice versa. There, we have to see here, in order for us to be a really working, you know, just proper, functioning family, we have to be on the same team, and it starts with mom and dad. It really starts with them functioning correctly together in that process. Secondly, I, I brought up Genesis 3, 8 through 9, and we talk about the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. I was looking at them like I've never seen a voice walk. But I'm interested to see it one day. And we see that this moment happens, and I'm kind of, we know probably the context, but just to give a little bit of understanding, we see that they ate of this fruit, this forbidden fruit. They become naked all of a sudden, and they're like, oh Lord. And all of a sudden, here comes, here comes the voice of, of God walking in the cool of the day, calling out for Adam and Eve. And we see this moment that, that, that of course there's fear in Adam, but I really want us to see what he's truly fearful about. Okay, let's look at this. Genesis 3, 9 and 10. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was what? Naked. naked. you got to say it a little bit different. It's a naked. <laughs> and I hid myself. Here's something that we really need to get a hold of. Was he afraid because he heard God's voice? Or was he afraid because he, he's now naked and found in disobedience? And here's something that we need to really grab a hold of. What's so powerful is that Adam and Eve teaches us that we should have a real, real relationship with God. So much so that we're not taken back by his voice. That we can literally walk with him in the cool of the day. Can you imagine having that type of relationship that you see the audible voice of God? That you are so close to him and that you're so, there's just a powerful relationship because you're willing to talk to him and walk with him. That's, this is, Adam wasn't afraid of God's voice because it wasn't the first time he heard it. He was afraid because he found himself in nakedness and disobedience. And that was not the first time God and Abraham, or I'm sorry, God and Adam walked together. We need, we really do need parents and I'm really just, you're going to hear me in a lot of this, this, this uh, series harp on parents a lot. So just get, hold on to your seats, parents. We need parents to practice proper functioning, real relationship with each other and with God. The second thing that Adam and Eve and the family show us a really proper way of functioning is found in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. Let's look at that. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. All right. Now, this is 
Genesis chapter 4. And um, I'm just going to let you know, you don't have to do a super deep dive study. You could just read the first three chapters for yourself. But believe me when I say this, that it's not mentioned. And it's so powerful that the parents here passed down a principle that was first established in this first family. And this principle was never mandated or mentioned by God, but it started with the parents deciding to implement a powerful principle. And that principle is sacrifice. Genesis 1, 2, 3, none of those chapters God ever speaks to man and says, you need to offer me a sacrifice. A sacrifice needs to be made. He doesn't even talk about the, the need for a blood atonement. He doesn't, he doesn't even talk about that. He literally, he just, there's, there's things happening, but for some reason, Adam and Eve, as parents, decide to implement a powerful principle for their family. Now, I can speculate some things. Sure, I, I can believe that Adam and Eve, they walked with God, talked with God, and got kicked out of the garden. They knew what it was like living in Eden. And I have no doubt that they had regret and remorse the rest of their days. But what's so powerful to me is that that, that little bit of text we just read. I don't know if you went over it, but they say they have kids, they, they Cain and Abel, and they talk about their, their, uh, what they do. Cain's a tiller of the ground. Abel's a keeper of the sheep. And then verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Well, who taught them to bring the offering to begin with? Mom and dad. Adam and Eve was there saying, listen, we have to sacrifice to God. And I know you've never seen him, but we have. I know you don't have a relationship like we do, but I'm telling you, he's worthy to be worshipped this way. He's worthy to be praised. And I'm telling you right now, this is a powerful principle that we're going to install in this family. And I'm, I'm telling you, at a young age, they're like, you need to do it too. This is one of those things as a parent that you, when you're coming to church, you ask your kid in the car, hey, did you bring any offering with you? Now, if your kid's like my kid, what offering? <laughs> right? Wait, what? Huh? Huh? And then you reach back, you give him a dollar, or, or, or back in my day, my dad always had that quarter. He would always hook me up with a quarter every service. I'd walk in there uh, as a little kid before Sunday, and my dad would be over his dresser getting things ready, putting his tie on, and getting his little tie thing, the tie bar all, re- all just set up just right. And then, you know, he, he'd hand me, a, I could hear him uh, digging some change, and he'd pull out a quarter, a nice shiny quarter, and he'd give that to me so that I can give it in Sunday school. And I'm telling you right now, those principles, they teach you things. That teach you to not come to church empty-handed. Teach you to come to church with something in you. A quarter, 25 cents, okay? We're not talking about super wealth here. We're we're talking about giving something to God. God doesn't need my money. He owns all the silver and all the gold. That's what the Word of God says. But what, what this principle is teaching me, this proper functioning principle, is that I need to learn how to give real sacrifice to God. 
It started with the parents deciding to implement a powerful principle. And the family teaches us, this family teaches that all families need to implement and teach that type of sacrifice. I'll say this. Here's a question I was thinking. What are we doing to teach real sacrifice in our homes? What are some things that we're, you know, maybe um, doing around the kitchen table, around the, you know, maybe the drive to church, or the drive to, to somewhere with the family? What, what investments am I making that shows that God's my priority and not stuff? Amen. These are some questions I, I'm throwing out there. I'm talking to myself. I'm teaching myself here. Because I don't want my kids to, to look back on my life and say, Dad lived for this thing or Dad lived for that thing. And, you know, you know that, that, the, oh, that car, he loved it so much. I don't want my, my kids to ever say stuff like that. I, I hope my kids just will laugh at the stories on how I didn't care about some stuff, but that I cared about the house of the Lord and how I cared about the kingdom of God and what I was willing to do to give things to the Lord. That's what I want my kids to see. But I also want want them to take up that burden themselves and decide, you know what? My mom and dad did it, and so are we. We're going to be obedient to that principle because that's what a good family does when it functions properly. But there are some things that I want to talk about that the first family has shown us that really kind of shouts dysfunction. All right? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, He shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth not know that in that day ye eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. I want to talk about that this, this particular dysfunction that I really want to bring out to the front of us here is that the dysfunction of communication within this family. What type of dysfunctional communication? Think about this for a second. What type of dysfunctional communication is found within this family dynamic that you're willing to give an ear to a talking serpent. I'm going to talk about a real issue that's happening right now in our life. All right? It's real. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm part of it. And this pastor deals with Is Again, I keep... That's right. Uh, yes. We're so intoxicated by it. Yes. And so focused in it. And eyes are driven to it. And when it comes time to talk with family, we're, we're just, we're dead to it. Now, my daughter, Mercy, I think she's back there up, and she's, she does this all the time. Dad, 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 dad. Now, I, I'm okay with, I can, I can, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. So sometimes I'm looking at something or answering a text, and I can hear her saying, Dad, and I'll be like, what, Mercy, what? For her, 
she's desiring for me to have that, that eye contact, right? And I hear that, and I see that, and I'm working on my, I'm right here, I'm telling you right now, this is me, I'm teaching myself, okay? And I realize this, that if we're not careful, if we're not careful truly communicating with our family members, they're going to give an ear to a serpent. They're going to listen to some things that want to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy not just you, but your family. They're going to, they're, they're going to whisper things. They're going to tell things t- to you. They're going, to, they're going to lie directly to you. And your ear is going to go to it. And you're going to, uh, our, our families are in trouble. How do you think what happens with, uh, if you look at statistics with uh, uh, relationships, when it comes to husbands and wives, infidelity issues, when it comes to certain things, it's, it has everything to do with communication and the lack of communication and some outside party giving an ear and saying things to somebody, some spouse and saying the right things, saying the thing, you know, hissing certain things and to that, that particular spouse where that spouse leaves that union and does whatever the snake wants. It's because there's that breakdown. It's a dysfunctional communication. And families need to be aware of this dysfunction that can be found within the family because the reason we're highlighting dysfunctions today is to help us be more proactive against these issues. And I want us to ask some questions. How many serpents are talking to our family members right now? What is, what is something that's hissing into your children's lives? Parents, please spend some time on parents. Parents, pay attention to your kids. Pay attention to their attitudes. Pay attention to the way they respond and how whether they respond respectfully or without. Now, what a great time to address this issue when you're dealing with kids because what happens is snakes are just hissing things in their spirit. And we need to be aware of these things and we need to be awake. They're, they're, these Basically, these snakes are trying to sway them away from truth. How do we counteract this type of dysfunctional communication? By practicing proper functioning communication. Communicate often, right? We, we, I think it's a great uh, thing if we challenge uh, ourselves to bring back dinner to the dinner table, Right? What a great time to sit down. I, I remember uh, fond memories just, you know, sitting around a table. We had, uh, it was always confusing for me because we had uh, two tables. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> two tables. We had one in our kitchen that was really tiny. That It fold, It was like a transformer. It had these little leaves that folded up. And it was like, and and we would all all four of us would gather around it we'd be on top of each other and then i'd look over to my right through the kitchen doorway where the where the dining room was and i would see this beautiful big table i was kind of confused why don't we use the big table I remember, I remember those leaves. My mom remembers. I remember those leaves because you put too much food on it. You better be careful. It tipped. It tipped the whole table. There were times Dad had to save the table. <laughs> Grab some corn or something, and I'd look over at that other bigger table. Because that was a fancy table. You're not allowed to eat over there. That table was only meant for my artwork. 
What I mean is I'd bring home little craft paper. My mom would take that underneath this table protector and keep it flat. That's what it was there for, I guess. It was... But here's, I, I, remember those, I remember those moments sitting in that uh, tiny kitchen and being with family and just, you know, laughing and talking and just, you know, all those things. To this day, I have those memories. Me and my family, we sit at a table and we, we laugh. And really what gets us laughing is mercy. Mercy has this uncontrollable laughter for no good reason that like stuff will, can come out of her nose if you allow it. And so those are some things that I challenge us as families. Like, hey, find time to say, listen, I get it. We all have phones and ideas that can want to talk with other people. But man, let's communicate often. Let's come together. Let's, let's work properly. Let's, let's share frustration and fears. Right? Man, I tell you what, it's okay. Man, pastor got me frustrated. Share it. Talk about it with them. Okay, get it off your chest with them so they can correct you. <laughs> But share this, you know, students. Share, share some frustrations. Share your fears. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do well in this test. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, what's wrong with my friend Tommy or, or Susan, you know. They, they, there's got stuff going on. And share those things because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, even young people, your parents want to know that desperately. We want to know what's going on in your life. We want to make sure we're there. Secondly, uplift each other. Be cheerleaders for each other. Man, just be excited to see each other, you know, prosper and do well. And lastly, check on each other. Just see how you're doing. Mom, dads, walk by their the room, knock on the door. Hey, everything going okay? Everything good? You know? Poke them as they, that's what I do with Mercy and Ivy, usually, usually Ivy. She's walking in the kitchen. She's always trying to get something out of the kitchen. So it's my, my chance to, so I'll be, just the other day, I'm washing my hands and I go to dry my hands. But what perfect place to dry my hands is on her face instead of on a towel. And so that's what I did. She loves that. So if anybody feels like they just they come out of the bathroom with wet hands, she loves it. But it brings me to my really kind of last dysfunction I want to talk about. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain a member of the first family, teaches us what dysfunctional love looks like. Cain warns us of a dysfunction called self-love. It's a love that only cares for just one. It's one that's only focused on their stuff. You read Genesis 4, that's all Cain cared about was his blessings, his prosperity, his issues. He gave less, and he his, the Bible says his countenance has fallen. That's somebody, you could tell, someone in the family who can't wear a smile probably deals with some self-issues. 
The selfishness causes one to walk around with a heavy and sorrowful countenance. And there's no visible joy on the face of a family member who's living this type of dysfunctional love. The answer is found within the unrestful member to fix this particular dysfunction. Cain literally says the statement, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Brothers, sisters, you are each other's keepers. You have to fight for your sibling. You have to stand up for your parents. You have, this, this is, this is what. God functioned, put the family to function such a way that you guard each other. Because that's what that word keeper means. It means to guard. When he says, am I my brother's keeper? It means, am I my brother's guard? Yes. You were meant to be the guy to, you know, knock down murderers. Instead, you murdered your brother. Why? Because you loved yourself more than you loved your family. And as we all stand, a proper functioning family guards each other. Amen. I love um, um, seeing the Patton family with all the all the siblings, and um, I love I love how close they are. You know, you're close when you sit on each other's lap in services. You know, so tied up in here, you guys are just like squeeze over, and and, and I, I love it. And and honestly, I. I um, I love seeing your daughter smile whenever the brothers are around. And I love that. And it just speaks of how a good functioning family that is. Because you can tell those brothers will die for her. Would, would guard her. And they're just, you just see them walk in the church. And they're, it's almost like she's got an entourage around her. Yeah. It's really cool. I like seeing that. But that's, that's, that's a good family that functions well. But as we learn that, man, I get it. I, I have a sister that I, I do love. And I look back at my years and I wish I was more loving. I wish I was kinder. Uh, I'm older now. I've, I'm, I've, you know, I see things differently. Um, you know, there's four years difference between me and my sister. And so, uh, you know, when I was a senior, she was a freshman in high school. We were just you know, swimming in two different type of pools. So we had totally different mindsets at the time. When I, when God called me in the ministry and I was being obedient to it, I, I moved away. I went to Bible college and she, she was back home and, you know, she had some people around her. And when I look at that season, I wish I was there to be a guard for her. I wish I was there because there were times where uh, I know that life took advantage of her. I knew life cut her deeply. And I look back at that time and I think to myself, man, that's my fault. I need to be a better keeper. And so today, I text my sister quite often. We actually message each other dumb videos all the time and laugh. That's our love language is laughter and humor and fail videos, right? But I pray for her every single day. I, I ask God to cover her. I ask God to keep her. I ask God to guard her, set a hedge of protection. Please don't believe that prayer does not work. Okay, your pastor is pastoring today because a, a lady who prayed diligently had four boys, all living for themselves, all doing different things, 
all somehow God called them into his good grace, saved them all, two pastor a church, two are pretty cool guys, one, one is my father. It's all because of a praying, praying mom who realized, you know what, maybe I don't, and, and by the way, my, my grandmother didn't really have a really good partner in marriage, and so she had to do all of it really on her own. She had to raise four boys on her own. And, and also, those four boys, if I can say this, they worked together. They worked hard, and they put their funds together because they didn't live for themselves. They said, this, we're a family, and we're going to make sure that, you know, mom's covered. We're going to make sure that my brother's covered. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to rise together, or we're going to fall together. And so I'm grateful that they decide to be that way, because I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be in truth if it wasn't for that type of mentality. And so I'm grateful for good functioning families. The main point of this series, and I really am closing, is to show that all of our families have proper functioning moments and real dysfunctioning moments. And when I think of a biblical family, I want you to start thinking not of, of Charleston Heston and an awesome beard. <laughs> I want you to start thinking of you. You are the biblical family. You're the biblical family that has great moments and dysfunctional moments. We're just like them in the Word of God. We're going we're gonna to do well at times, and we're going to struggle at times. But I want to make sure that I'm focused on those areas that we're weak so that he can be made strong in those areas. Amen? Let's go ahead and bow our heads together. We're going to close out together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for keeping your hand upon us. I pray God strengthen families in this church. Help us, help us grow together. Help our husbands love their wives and wives their husbands. And I pray let kids be obedient to parents. And I pray that, that, that parents, oh God, learn how to instruct and, and, and pull in children into that love. I pray, Lord, remove the selfish love. Remove the dysfunction. Remove, oh God, those things, those issues we have. Help us communicate in a better way, God. We really want to be a family that's focused on on you. I pray help us, Lord, as we go uh, to our prospective places. Keep your hand upon us and bring us back at the appointed time. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit AphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 